All right, are you ready to dive into part four of habits? Anybody ready for this one? You guys got your little notebooks? Everybody got their notebooks? We got notebooks out there. If you didn't get one, get one on the way out. Um, These are for you. These are a free gift to you. You should put your name somewhere on it. Every week we'll be handing out a little uh, slip of paper um, for you to take notes if you're a note taker. And you can take notes and stick it in here and you can bring this binder to church every Sunday um, and keep your notes. So we've got them out on the table. If you didn't get one, grab one on the way out. They're free and they're so cool. Um, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna start today in a passage of scripture that is probably familiar to many of you, may not be familiar to all of you. It's a short passage of scripture. Um, it's only found in one of the gospels, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this story to you. It's a short story. And then we're going to dive in and and see what the Lord is speaking to us um, from from this passage. So it's in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, and it says this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they're probably on their way to Jerusalem, uh, Jesus and his disciples came to a village where a woman named Martha, somebody say Martha, Martha opened her home to him. Martha opened her home to him. Martha had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Somebody say, sat at the Lord's feet. Sat at the Lord's feet. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Anybody got some preparations that have, anybody got an inbox that's like a little bit full right now? Anybody got a to-do list that you just like, kind of you're running through it right now? Some stuff that just had to get done. She was distracted by that. She comes to Jesus and she asks, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha's upset. She's upset. Jesus answers, Martha, Martha. You know when Jesus does it like that, it's like, you know, when somebody goes, ah, Brent, Brent. You know, it's like, I love you. I feel sorry for you because you're being an idiot. Now, you know what I mean? When they say your name twice like that. Oh, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Somebody say one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Today, I want to preach for just a few moments on the starving baker syndrome. The starving baker syndrome. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today, opening our hearts, opening our minds, uh, eliminating distractions so that we can focus on what you have to say to us. I pray that your word would fall like seed into the soil of our heart. It would take root. It would grow and it would begin to produce fruit. Uh, Transform us today, God, by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit in us. We thank you, we praise you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, I I told you last week, but a couple weeks ago, uh, some members of our staff and I went down to a conference down in Texas. We went down to uh, a church to do, uh, for a leadership conference. And one of the things that I love about conferences, and I don't go to a lot of them, but I do enjoy them because one of the things I love about conferences is you go to a conference and you get a lot of strategy, you get some methodologies, you get information, you get ideas about how to do your job better. 
how to serve better, right? Whatever, whatever your job is, if you go to a conference, the idea is you get better at doing whatever it is that you do. So a ministry conference, you go and you learn, like, how can I, how can I be better at being a pastor? How can our ministry team serve better? What are some of the strategies and methodologies? So that's, that's the thing you do at conferences, and that's fully what I was pre- prepared for and, and planning to do, is to go and get some, some information. But something happened in the middle of this conference that I was not expecting. And that is, in the middle of the conference, the Lord began to push into a deeper part of my heart, not the strategy part of my life, but the inner part of my heart, and say to me, I want to be intimate with you. This, this conference is not about how you do better at your job. This conference is going to be how you get closer to me. And one of the speakers at the conference, just sort of off the cuff, used the phrase, the starving baker syndrome. He said, hey, all you ministry folks, you got to be careful of the starving baker syndrome. And then he just kept moving on. And something about that phrase clicked with me, so I went and looked it up. Well, the starving baker syndrome is this idea, this concept that comes from a story about this baker who's a great baker. He bakes delicious cookies and pies and bagels and bread and people from all around the neighborhood come to his bakery to buy these delicious baked goods, right? And he's baking goods and he's doing great and everything's working and things are successful. But one of his friends notices that the baker day by day seems to be getting a little bit weaker, He notices that the baker seems to be getting a little bit depleted. And so he says, huh, what's going on my friend, the baker? He says, you know, my my baker friend has got all this food around him and he's baking all this food, but he's getting skinnier. You know, how is this possible? So his friend comes and he sits down in the bakery shop and he says, I'm just going to observe for a day. And what he observes is that his friend, the baker, is baking goods and kneading the dough and taking the orders and making the runs and, and doing all the kind of stuff that he needs to do. But what he noticed is that the baker was feeding everybody else, but the baker wasn't feeding himself. The baker was baking cakes, but the baker wasn't eating the cakes that he was baking. And as I'm sitting there in that conference, I'm going, wow, the, the Lord is speaking to my heart on this. And, 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 and what the the, the, the leaders of the conference said, and, and I really appreciated this, they said, look, the last two years has been crazy. Anybody notice that? Last two years have been just a little crazy. You know, some of us have never had, well, I'd say none of us have had two years like we just had. We've been in the middle of this kind of crazy pandemic. There's been so much going on. And what can happen in my life and what can happen in your life is that we get so busy taking care of all of the other things that need to be taken care of that we forget to stop and get our own soul nourished because we're so busy taking care of other things. And it's not that the things we're taking care of are bad. It's that the things that, they're, that we're taking care of are not the main thing. There's a lot of stuff to handle, but God is saying, look, I want you to handle one thing. A lot of times, if our output exceeds our input, that will lead to our downfall. If, if you have not taken time, a lot of college students here, grad students, college students, you're coming back from the semester uh, to, to, to school, and you can get into the grind pretty quickly. Amen, students? You can get in. You're preparing for tests. You're involved in social activities. You're involved in in, in the school. You're getting everything ready. You're meeting friends. You're doing all of this. But you can find yourself getting depleted because you're not taking time to nourish your own soul. 
You're pouring out, but you're not consuming. You're a starving baker. You're making cakes for everybody else, but you're not consuming the cakes for yourself. Some of you in your mid, you know, early mid career, you're grinding, right? You're cranking, you're getting it out. You're creating a lot of output, but you can get worn out. You can get depleted because you're not taking time to soak in what God has for you. You're not spending time nourishing your soul. I know that parents during the last two years, moms, we're feeling, we're feeling your pain right now. Moms, a lot of you have been like, you became homeschoolers. You became homeschool teachers while holding down a job, while learning how to Zoom, while going crazy. You know, you're doing all of this stuff, right? And God is saying to Martha in this moment, he says, you're spending so much time preparing physical food for me that you're not taking time to take in the spiritual food from me. Somebody with me this morning. A lot of times we get ourselves in a situation where we are pouring out whatever it is, your job, your career, whatever it is. And God is saying, I want you to pause and develop a habit of taking in. I want you to pause and, and take a moment. Here's what he says uh, to, to, um, to, to, to Martha. He, he noticed that Mary, in, in verse 39, it says, Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet. Martha was running around preparing everything, but Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet listening to him. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Scripture is to the soul what food is to the body. We're, develop, we're developing a habit today of consuming bread for the soul. Scripture is to the soul what food is for the body. I have a neighbor who's a baker, by the way, and his name is Joe Baker. That's his real name. Joe, I probably should have ran this story by you before we, but I'll see you in the neighborhood tomorrow, so we'll talk it out. Joe Baker is an amazing baker. He really is. Every week, he brings over a huge loaf of sourdough bread to our house, and it is fresh sourdough bread that he baked in his own oven. He's the, it's, it's the best bread I've ever eaten in my life. It's incredible bread. Um, you can buy it at www. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, it is incredible bread, right? Guess what? I do not have to put a calendar invite on my, on my calendar to remind me to go downstairs and eat that bread. I don't have to have an accountability partner to say, did you eat the bread today? I, I don't have to do any work to remember to eat the bread. I just eat the bread because it's there. Anytime the bread's there, I'm going to eat it because I love it. I need it. I want it, right? Scripture is to the soul what food is to the body. A lot of times we know that, it, it, that we need to consume food, but we forget to consume the word of God, the word of God, which is the bread of life. And so our body is fine, right? We don't, nobody here has forgotten to eat this week. Anybody forget to eat this week? Everybody got food in your belly, right? We don't forget to eat, but God is saying, I don't want you to just eat bread that spoils. I don't want you to eat bread that's just good for your body. I want you to eat bread for your soul. Jesus said this in Matthew 4, 4. He said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from, this is, this is God's word that he wants us to consume. Joshua 1.8 says this, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. He's saying, look, I want you to develop a habit. When you say day and night, he's saying this, this needs to become a habit. 
I want you to develop a habit of consuming the word of God day and night. Just like you have a habit of eating every single day, multiple times a day, I want you to develop a habit of consuming the word of God because what bread is to the body, scripture is to the soul. Anybody with me this morning? Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Habitual consumption of God's word. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Do you want to be like a tree planted by the water? This is a strong tree. This is a tree that produces fruit. This is a tree whose leaves are green year-round. This is a tree that can pour out and help somebody else. He says, meditate on the word of God. You'll become like a tree planted by streams of water. Whatever they do prospers. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, right? Some of us as followers of Jesus, am I getting somebody's business today? Cause y'all are looking at me like, man, I don't know about this sermon. Some of us as, fo- as followers of Jesus are trying to live on yesterday's bread. We're trying to live a life of fullness and abundance, strength, peace, and power. But all we've got is stale bread that we ate last week. All we've got is the stale bread that we maybe consumed a month ago or a year ago or when we first became a follower of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, I want you to consume my bread every day. I want you to start taking it in every day because that's how your strength will grow. That's how your soul will become vital and nourished and empowered. This is how you, this is how you grow into the man or the woman that God has called you to be by stopping all of the work, pausing the work and taking the time to soak in what God has for you. You know, you can tell what a person is consuming just by the way they speak. You ever notice that? You can spend five minutes with somebody and know what kind of stuff they're consuming. You know if they're consuming a lot of cable news. And nobody's even with me this morning. You can just tell if somebody's been consuming a lot of political stuff on the left or a lot of political stuff on the right. You, you can just tell because you start talking to them and then it just comes out. Scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If, if, you, if you're just consuming news, you're going to speak news. If you're consuming uh, entertainment, you're going to speak entertainment. God says, I want you to consume the word of God. I want you to spend some time with me because I want that to transform who you are so that out of your mouth will come the words and the wisdom of God so that you'll become a light unto the world. I want you to consume what I have for you because then you'll grow into the tree that I made you to be. Anybody with me this morning? All right, I'm gonna preach to myself then, okay. Why don't we do this? Why don't we? Here's a question. Why does somebody... so? So for me, when I'm at that conference, it hits me because what I realize is that I'm so focused on the work of God that I'm not, that I'm neglecting the word of God. When I'm reading the word of God, this is just me. Okay. When I'm reading the word of God, a lot of times I'm reading it in preparation for a sermon. So I'm reading it in order to add some ingredients to it and bake it and then serve it. Okay. And God says, that's fine. Cause that's your job. You should keep doing that. But don't do that and neglect the greater thing, which is to sit down and consume the word of God for you. Anybody with me? God wants you and me to pause. In fact, this is the most important thing we can do. 
not just as a pastor. I started thinking about this. I thought, well, man, this is the most important thing I can do as a pastor because my primary duty is to be in right relationship with God. Otherwise, I can't grow. And if I can't grow, the people that I'm teaching and leading, they can't grow, right? So I need to grow so they can grow. And God's like, yeah, that's all true. But actually, you need to grow not because you're a pastor, but because you're a Christian. You need to grow just because you're my follower. It doesn't matter what your job is. You need to grow because that's what I made you to do. I made you to grow into the man or the woman that I created you to be. So you need to just pause and stop putting out so much and take a moment and take something in. Why don't we do it? I, I, I wonder this question. Why don't we do it? Why don't we just have a, why isn't it like food? You know, like I said, I, I, I'll go down, I will walk into the, my house today and I'll probably walk in, I'll probably open my fridge. I won't even think about it, It'd just be a habit. I'll just open it and I'll kind of graze through there. I'll go over, get some almonds over there, give me a cliff bar or a kind bar, you know, something like that. And then I'll walk, I'll, I'll get a banana. I'll, I'll just walk around eating today. I just know I will because it's habitual, right? Why isn't it habitual for us to, to soak in the word of God? I think, it's, I think it's because, and I think it's because just like Martha, we're distracted. We got other things going on and we forget the main thing. Martha, it says, it says like this, Martha in verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. These aren't things that were bad. These were things that were, these were things that were important, but the important things, because of the important things, she, she neglected the essential thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Don't let good things keep you from the main thing. Don't let all of the good stuff that you are doing in your life keep you from the main thing that you need to do in order to grow as a follower of Jesus. My, um, my father-in-law, my, my mother and father-in-law were here several years ago when, when my wife, Rebecca, was pregnant with our third child. We were getting ready to have, she was getting ready to have the baby. So they came in to help, you know, get us to the hospital and make sure everything was squared away. And this is the third, third baby. So my wife knew what was going on. Like she just knew her body. She knew when it was time to go. Right. So, so my, my father-in-law, Phil, um, he is one of these guys who is amazing. He, he walks into your house and he just starts looking at stuff to fix, which is why I love him so much. Even if it's not broken, he's going to fix it. Okay. But he'll walk in and he'll be like, huh? And then pretty soon he's doing tuck pointing. He's doing electrical, plumbing. He's doing drywall. He's doing plaster. I mean, he's just like doing stuff, which is great because I don't like to do that stuff. I, that's not my gift. Okay. So Phil comes in and he comes in for this, for getting ready to have this third baby. And he comes in and he noticed that, uh, our handrail on our stairs was a little bit wobbly and we had the right screw to screw this thing in, but it needed this little metal sleeve that you got to get from Home Depot. So he had this screw and he goes, I got to make sure that when I go to Home Depot, um, I got, when I go to Home Depot, I got to go, I'm going to take this screw because then I'm, I got to go get the sleeve to put on the screw so I can fix that handrail. And I was like, that sounds great. I don't even know what a sleeve is. I mean, I wear sleeves generally. I don't know what you're talking about, but you sound like you know what you're talking about. And so I'm good with all that. He said, yeah. So when we go to Home Depot, we're going to get that sleeve. I go, great, great, Phil. So one morning, my wife wakes me up. She goes, it's time. It's time. We got to go. We already had our bags packed. We had everything ready to go, right? It's time. The baby's coming. She felt the pressure. We got to go. So I jump up. I get in my general mode. All right, everybody, we're moving out, right? 
Phil and Rita, let's go. Come on. Boom. We got the car going. Everybody's moving out. We're heading to the car. We're getting ready to go to the hospital. We're all there, right? And I come back in to just grab the door and lock it. And Phil is standing in the living room. And, he, and he's heading towards the door. Like we're getting out there because my wife's about to have the baby. Phil's coming towards the door and then he stops. He goes, wait a minute. Where's that screw? He goes, <laughs> he goes, I got to get the screw because we're going to drop you guys off and then we're going to go to Home Depot and I get the sleeve for the screw so that I can, when we come back, I can fill this thing. I go, Phil, screw the screw, man. My wife's about to have a baby. Let's go. Right. So we come running out. He was trying to do an important thing, but for a moment he got distracted from the main thing by an important thing. I love you, Phil. Thank you, man. Sometimes this happens to us, right? God is saying, look, there's the main thing of your life. The main thing of your life is to grow in your relationship with me. Don't get distracted by the many good things and avoid the absolute main thing that I have for you. Now, I want to give Martha her due here, and I want to give Phil his due. I want to give Martha her due because Martha is the kind of person that I like to hire. Martha is a TCB, taking care of business kind of person. Martha is the kind of person that's going to get the job done. Martha's got checklists and punch lists. Do you know how many people came to Martha's house for dinner that day? By my calculations, it was between 20 and 100 because earlier in the chapter, Jesus had sent out 72 of his disciples. They just came back, and he was like bringing them back and talking to them, and then they went down. So he, he might have either brought 12 or he might have brought 72 people with him. I mean, this is a dinner party. So I understand, Martha. She's like, I'm getting ready to feed all these people. My sister is sitting here at your feet. She needs to help me, right? Martha's the kind of person you need because do you know whose house this was, by the way? Remember the first verse? It said, Martha invited him into her house. She owns the house. Why does she own the house? Because she's the one taking care of business. Mary lives with Martha. Lazarus lives with Martha. This is Martha's home. So I want to give Martha her due because she's getting it done. God is not saying, don't get it done. God is not saying, you know, let's be lethargic and lazy. But God is saying, let's not let the important things distract us from the main thing. Mary was doing what was better. She was sitting at my feet. We know that Martha became a starving, a starving baker by the way that she reacted to Jesus. You remember what she said? She comes walking in and she says, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Now notice the next sentence. This is Martha talking to Jesus. Tell her to help me. I want you to get the picture here, okay? Jesus is sitting in the house. The disciples are all around. Jesus is talking about, you know, the things that he talks about. Beautiful, powerful, spiritual principles. Martha comes in. She's got hummus all down her shirt. She's got olive oil dripping. Her hair's all frazzled. She's got the mixing bowl. And she's ticked off. She says, don't you care? She interrupts the whole teaching. Don't you care that she's not helping me? And then she gives a direct order to Jesus. Tell her to help me. Now, this is all kinds of messed up. I don't know. I just don't give commands to Jesus. If you get nothing else from this sermon, 
Don't think that you're in a position to give commands to Jesus, right? Tell her to help me. But what I love about Jesus is that he's so sweet to her. He's so sweet, right? He's calm. He's, he's kind. Why? Because when you're full, you have empathy for people who are hungry. When you're hungry, you're hangry. Anybody been there? When we're spiritually depleted, we're emotionally distressed. If you're wondering why you're full of anxiety and worry and irritability and frustration, I wonder if you're spiritually hungry right now. You know those Snickers commercials? You're not yourself when you're hungry, right? You're hangry when you're hungry. When I'm hungry, I get irritable. When our soul is depleted, we're distressed. We become distressed. We start doing things that are out of order, that are out of line. We get overwrought, right? But Jesus is kind and generous. Look what he says in verse 41, 42. You can hear the softness in his voice. He says, Martha, 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 Martha. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset. I love this phrase in the Greek. It's like, it's like it, it actually means something like you are huffing and puffing. It really does. You are worried and upset. You are just, you are just clamoring around. You're just upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Here's what he's saying. He's saying intimacy is more important than activity. Intimacy is more important than activity. He's more interested in your affection than he is in your effort. Somebody's going to get free today from all the grind that you have put yourself under in order to what you believe to please God. And God's going, that, that doesn't, that's good and, and work, do, do the work, right? But what I really want is you. What I really want is your soul. When my father was, uh, was new in the ministry, young in the ministry, and he was traveling all around and preaching all around and going to all these different places and doing camps and doing churches and doing all this kind of stuff. He tells this story about a time he was getting ready to go on, on the road and he, and he was packing his bags and ran into the bathroom to get his toiletries and he came back into his bedroom and his suitcase was open and I had crawled into his suitcase and I was sitting in his suitcase and he's like, what are you doing? He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going with you. I don't even remember doing this, but he said it really hit him because he said, man, I'm running around doing all this important stuff but I need to pause for a minute and do the main thing. I need to reorient my life and remember that I'm focusing on what's really, really important, what's really, really vital. Jesus says to Mary, uh, to Martha, he says, Mary has chosen what is better. What you're doing is good, but Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. It's the last point I want to make. If you're distracted by the many, spend time with the one. Spend time with the one. My prayer for you, for me, I want us as a church community to be so soaked and saturated by the word of God that it transforms our attitude, our heart, our mind, our behavior, our action. I want, it to be, I want us to be so full of the bread of life, of the word of God, of God that it just pours out of us. That the love and the peace, the kindness and the comfort, the strength and the power of God pours from us. Why? Because it's all we're consuming. We're taking it in so much, so deeply that it just pours right back out of us. That's what I want for me. That's what, that's what God wants for all of us. When Jesus was, 
was preaching, he did that thing, that story that's so amazing where he broke the bread and he fed 5,000 people with the few little loaves and fishes. You remember that story? He fed all these people and then he went across the sea and, and he's trying to kind of spend some time alone and the crowds came and they, they started gathering all around him. And Jesus said to them, he said, you know, you guys, you're, you're coming to me because I filled your belly. He said, you're coming to me because you think I'm a resource. But I don't want to be a resource. I want to be your source. He said, you're coming to me because I've, I filled your belly. He said, but don't pursue and don't work for food that spoils. Work for food that gives you eternal life. They said, oh, yeah. They said, we know what you're talking about. Moses gave us that kind of food. Moses gave us manna from heaven years ago. He, he, he did that. Jesus said, Moses didn't give you that food. Moses didn't give you that bread. My father gave you that bread. And my father wants to give you bread that's better than that bread. He wants to give you not just bread for your belly. He wants to give you bread for your soul that will give you eternal life. And the people that were all gathered there said, oh, yeah, we want that bread. Can you give us some of that bread? Can you give us the bread that leads to eternal life? You know what Jesus said? He said, I am the bread. I am the bread that leads to eternal life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is saying to somebody today, I'm the bread that you need. I'm the sustenance that you need. I'm the nourishment that you need. I want you to start a meal plan with me. I want you to start, you want to start a meal plan? Let's start a meal plan on the word of God. Let's start a meal plan where we are consuming the, bre the bread of God, the eternal bread of God, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And literally, do you know what this means? It literally just means sitting at the feet of Jesus. It means taking some time to sit down and eat the bread of life, to consume the word of God. I'm going to give you three habits, and I want you to pursue these habits and start, you, you can start today. The first one is the habit of daily devotion. This is just you sitting down, finding a time and a place. Doesn't have to be an hour. Doesn't have to be five hours. You don't have to have commentaries. You don't have to have biblehub.com. You don't have to have Greek and Hebrew. Find, just sit down. If you need a Bible, put it on a connection card. We will send it to you. We will deliver it to your house. Spend some time in the word of God. We have a resource, onefamilychurch.com slash scripture. If you need to figure out how to even get started, go to, that, go to that page. You can do audible scripture. You can read the scripture. There are reading plans. There are videos. There's video-based Bibles. We've got every resource. I just want you to pause and consume the word of God so that you can be strong. That's habit number one. Habit number two is weekly community. Weekly community. We're launching life groups today. Coming to church once a week is not enough food for you. Just like if you went to, you know, Mission Taco today and ate a bunch of really good food and then thought, I'm going to come back next Sunday and eat food at Mission Taco and this should take care of me for the rest of the week. You will be starving by Thursday, probably by Tuesday, right? This needs to be an ongoing thing. So uh, again, onefamilychurch.com slash life groups. This is, where, this is where you actually get in and start working at, uh, with the, 
with other people, reading the scripture, working together, thinking together, praying together. God, what would you have me do? We have so many life groups, you guys. Amazing life groups, incredible life groups. Please go on and join a life group. And the third one is Sunday celebration. This is where you come to get your meal plan, right? This is the meal. This is where you come. You get the recipe for the week. But this is not, this is not your spiritual life. Sunday celebration is when we come from at the Shaw campus and online and here at U City. We come, right? But this isn't our spiritual life. This is just sort of level setting. This is like coming for training, right? If, if you went and saw a trainer once a week and they said, okay, here's the plan. Here's your meal plan. Here's your workout plan. You go, great. Thanks. See you next week. Right? And you didn't go do the plan. <laughs> You're not going to see the gains. Right? So, so coming here is a way to start implementing the plan that we're putting forward. God spoke to me, and you can help me, David. Uh, God spoke to me at the, at, the, at the conference there in Texas. And really, it, it was such a powerful experience for me. And I'll probably talk more about it. But what happened is at that conference, when they ended one of the, two of the sessions, actually, they said, look, we're going to just, we're going to pause. And I'm not going to do this today, but I want to do this sometime. They said, we're going to pause at the end of this message and we're just going to have three minutes of silence. And what we want you to do is just sit in silence and hear what the Lord has to say to you. Remember that, you guys? They said, just sit and, and hear what the Lord has to say to you. Just take a moment and hear what God has to say. So three minutes is a long time when there's not, not when it's just silent, right? So I sat there, and man, I, I just want to tell you, like, I was not prepared. I was prepared for, you know, eight steps to make your life groups better. 14 steps to, you know, have a better membership class. What I wasn't prepared for was God to say, I want to crush your, your will. I want to crush your pride. I want to reach right into the very core of who you are, and I want to draw you into me, right? I sat there, and the Lord said three things to me very clearly. You know what he said? I wrote them down. He said, love your people, love your family, love me. That was it. Love your people, love your family, love me. And he actually said it in reverse order. Because love me is the main thing. And when you love God, everything else pours out of that. In fact, there's only one commandment, love God. Even the second commandment comes out of the first commandment. You love your neighbor as yourself, but why do you do that? Because your neighbor is God's child and you love God, so you love his children. Are you with me? Let's get back to the main thing. John the Revelator said, don't forget your first love. Let's take some time, church, and develop a habit of spending time at the feet of Jesus, consuming his word every day, meditating on it day and night. Why? So that you will be like a tree planted by the water so that your life will bear fruit in due season, that your leaves will never go dry. You will be green and fruitful. Your life will become a, a resource for others because you're tapped into the source of God. I want to encourage all of us today to make a commitment. I made a commitment at that conference. I said, okay, God, I'm going to pause my baking. I'm going to still bake, but I'm going to pause the baking in the morning 
and I'm going to go eat some of the food that you've given me. Not for everybody else, but for me. It's been beautiful. It's, it's, been, it's like going back to what I, I used to do when I was a brand new believer, just sitting and soaking in the Word of God. It's, it's amazing. I want to encourage you to take time to eat from the bread of life. Because you'll be like a tree. You'll be strong. You'll be powerful. You'll be vibrant. You'll be who God made you to be. You'll be healthy. You won't be a starving baker. You'll be a full baker. You know, they say never trust a skinny baker. Because a, skin, because a skinny baker is not taking the time to take a nibble off of what they're making for somebody else. A good baker is going to take a, eat a little bit of that dough, eat a little bit of that bread, and go, is this good? Okay, this is good. Now I can serve it. Never trust a skinny baker. Let's not become starving bakers. Let's take some time. Let's consume what God has for us. And let's grow into the men and women he's called us to be. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Your word is so good. It's so nourishing. You fill us up, God, with your power and your strength. I just pray every single person in here today would make a commitment today to stop the hustle bustle, the huffing and puffing, the worry, the angst, the frustration, and just pause and find a time and place every day to consume your word. To be nourished on the word that gives life, that gives eternal life. That we would develop the habit of eating your, your food just like we have the habit of eating physical food. God, I pray that each and every one of us would experience the richness, the fullness, the vibrancy that comes with consuming the word that brings life. We thank you so much. We love you so much. We trust you with this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.